Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. That's right, that's it's right. It's going to be us. We can drink and talk shit as much as we want. Nobody can say anything to it. D.L. Hubley, uncut. Well, well, well. It is D.L. Hubley, uncut. <laughs> I am uh, I am D.L.Q. I feel like I'm doing a... a What's with that open? Well, well, well. I just, I, mean, I want to do something Full different. of energy. Every time they say uncut, I think I'm uncircumcised. But I, I am. I am circumcised. I cannot Paul, unhear that. I am. Very strange. <laughs> oh, great. We just lost Atlanta. <laughs> As we should. <laughs> I'm, I'm D.L. Hughley. I'm Jasmine Sanders. What's up, Black Jay here, Jay Phillips? Uh, you know what's interesting to me? Uh, of course, uh, the, uh, the debates are very interesting to me. That's, that's going to happen tonight, right? The debate is going to happen tonight. Mm. And um, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't, I don't give a fuck if all Joe Biden does is hum the thing from Hee Haw. That, that motherfucker still got my vote. <laughs> that's yeah. it. I think that's all, all right. he has to do, actually, right. if you think about he it. Could, he, he could shit on stage. I'd be like, ah! Yeah. All he has to do is keep saying, run the tape. That's all he has to do. <laughs> Um, and so I just, I, I, and I think a lot of people are like me because I, to be fair, made up my mind in, two, in, in, in January of 2016. I made up my mind. I knew what I would do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, that people knew what they would do on the other side. People knew that no matter what he did, uh, they would do it. And people are, too, too, too often they concentrate on his number, like how immovable his number is. But basically, his number's around 40%, and people that hate him have been about a little over 50%. And they're just as unmovable as him. Yeah. As much is. as you love him, as it's much true. as I hate him. Yeah. As much you and can't. what's crazy is you know that there are people who were on his side who have now flipped. But I, I doubt very seriously that there are people who weren't on his side that have no. now flipped to his no, side. Ain't no, new, right. ain't no, gonna happen. ain't no new Trump. It might, if you're a new Trump supporter, you just lied the first time. <laughs> you ain't, it's not, it's... It's, it's when when you steal all the fucking mailboxes. Like yeah. I was in Pennsylvania, and they make it so much harder to vote. They have to put the the, the, the mail in ballot in, a, in what's called an honor envelope. Mm-hmm. So they have to put an envelope in an envelope. 
You dig what I'm saying? An yeah. envelope in an envelope. Yeah, for sure. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I got them both covered. Right. <laughs> I saw a special that they did on that where they were showing just how hard it was for them to actually collect it and officially collect the vote. There's a, you know, you have to sign the ballot yeah. inside of it, put it in there properly, and there's a person, there's a person that un- that opens all of these and matches your signature to the DMV uh, signature that's on file, and that's the only way that it qualifies. And as and a vote. and I just think there's something particularly in cities when people try to make it that much harder to vote. It is. Yeah. You saw what they were doing. They're trying to investigate, I guess, this contribution that G- uh, Bloomberg made for the people in Florida, right. the felons, to vote. And I'm thinking to myself, so wouldn't you want them to exercise their right to vote? I right? personally think a couple of things. I think that voting should be mandatory, much like jury duty. Mm-hmm. I think you should have to do it. I think that too many people, our decisions are made by people that don't vote. Like more people that don't vote decide what happens in America than people that do, followed by old people. Yeah. So well, if you don't vote, you actually have voted. The America's in the shape it's in because it's apathetic and old people who are deciding its future. Yeah. And it's it's insane to me. And I think, you know, when you got to put your envelope in another envelope, <laughs> I mean, how rough is Pennsylvania? You got to have a bulletproof that. vest around your photo, around your ballot. I don't even <laughs> know what the fuck that is. <laughs> it is. Um, I, Jay had the, me, me, we all, like, we're, we, we do the radio show together, and you know that. Right. And so I, 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 I called you because... I heard, I was working, I heard with Charles Barkley uh, and Shaquille said about the Brianna, uh, mm. and it it, 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 it it hurt me to my, like, it really hurt me because I can't remember, and they were basically saying that, uh, you know, you can't compare that to George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, and, I, and I'll tell you why I think that's different, but what hurt me the most is you would never see, as hard as black women arrive for us, you would never see two prominent black women, even if do that in front of, a worldwide audience, like they were in front of the NBA, right? Yeah, and and they said it, and uh, 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 and I, I just it's it's got to be disconcerting to you. Well, think about this: if you say that it hurt you, imagine how we as black women feel, yeah. knowing yeah. that we fight, knowing that more often than not there will not be reciprocity. The fact that we love in the face of hate on both sides, all the way around, and yet we still fight. It's because we love hard that way. And we know that, you know, our families and our communities depend on that. So I, we, I, we keep fighting. I've watched three black men do some very destructive bullshit. I think that he, uh, the governor uh, of the, excuse me, the attorney general mm-hmm. of, of Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, I think what Charles Barkley and Shaq said was ill-informed. I think if you look at what happened in the Breonna Taylor, the Breonna Taylor case and you look at Ahmaud Arbery and you look at George Floyd, the difference is... Though we were told initially something in all three of those cases. In Ahmaud Arbery, they declined to prosecute uh, those people uh, by a couple of different district attorneys. Mm-hmm. They said it was legal killings. And then we saw the video, and that's when public opinion changed. And we only saw the video in the Ahmaud Arbery case because the district, the defendant, the defense attorney thought, oh, we'll show them the video, <laughs> and they'll see. prove our innocence. <laughs> so and, that was a good idea. That was a, that he, he really did. And mm-hmm. that really speaks to... And so what happened with George Floyd is people don't remember this, but you remember initially the first district attorney or whoever was going to be in charge of prosecuting the case came out and said, we don't see enough evidence. Even when we watch a man get choked, I mean, a knee on his back for nine minutes, and after people acted out, then the next day he did. And so the difference between um, uh, Breonna Taylor and and, uh, George Floyd is that we haven't seen the video yet that makes the prosecutors and the police a liar yet. And right after they said those things, then we have articles in the USA Today and the Washington Post saying the bu- the bullet uh, doesn't match. report. It's mm-hmm. different than what the uh, the attorney general said, and that they have a video of them being cut off. And I, 
And I remember going really hard <laughs> at, at, at Charles Barkley, and you said something to me yeah. that I had to. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a friend, I made sure, sure I did sure, this sure, offline, sure. and it was sure. like, you know, I, I appreciate and I, you know, and I celebrate the fact that you joined, a, you know, a new fraternity. But I've known you for twenty years, sure. and sure. the you that I know doesn't hold no cut cards right. and doesn't stop saying something just because it's a member of a, a group that you're associated right. with. So right. it's like, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see where you're going to go with well, no, this, I, man. I, it, I need you is, to hold everybody right. as accountable right. as, as, as everybody. I, 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 you know, with both Omegas and it, 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 it when you, I had to check myself because you said, you know, if you feel that way about somebody, you can say what you have to feel. You can have natural disagreement. Yeah. I think that that harm, that, I think that those words have harm and intent and impact on black women's lives. It gives a, 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 a legitimacy to an illegitimate process. Yeah, I've never seen a black man shoot a police officer and get, uh, basically, they don't even try him. Then he gets, uh, he, he stands to make, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of a, a financial settlement, he's gonna get money. So I know that those things don't stand to reason. And I wish that they would have given black women the same benefit hmm. that they give an unjust system that is with full of holes in it. Hundred percent. That's that's and, and you were right. And 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 when and what you also told me, which I agree with, is just like me and Shaq are the same fraternity. Those police departments, those mm -hmm. uh, uh, prosecutors, right. those grand juries, they're in a fraternity too. They're protecting they each other, just and they like protect you're protecting each other too. Them. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 that protection is what we see now. When you saw that with Ahmaud Arbery, uh, th those people protected him to the extent that they could have lost something. Yes. And they protected him to the extent that justice wasn't up. And I and I so so you can be a part of a thing and really have an allegiance to it, but it but it does it does detriment to the to the population at large. And to me, uh, I, I just I think that when you watch black men walk around with say her name and demanding justice in the world has a black woman's name on her lips and you say, ah, oh, it ain't the same thing. Right. It's yeah. it's so devastating. It's, it's, it but was I, a shame to see that the the shield itself of the NBA did such a good job with the whole movement inside the bubble that the two people who are on the most popular show representing the league is is and, was and they had came on that. What were you saying, Jasmine? Well, no, I was going to say just because you're a member of fraternity or sorority does not mean you can't call somebody on what is true. Right. right. Basically, when you have a brotherhood or a sisterhood, it gives you even more credence to simply say, hey, I think you were wrong in what you said. And this is why. And I think the same thing should hold true in whether it's a police fraternity and you see one of your uh, I don't know what you call them members, whatever, doing really? wrong, you should well, call them well, on that. Right now you call them defendants. But, other than that, <laughs> but you're right. You're but right. I think that's true. You call them on that. You don't just simply say because we share the same, you know, uh, uh, symbol that I can't tell you the truth or I can't call you out on something. It makes it even more. But the brotherhood allows us to still remain brothers, even though I tell you you're wrong about something. And I think that it's just so harmful to me because it really is a, a time... I've seen, and I, we, we talked about this earlier, I've seen black women finally being able to, you know, somebody saying her name, and then somebody else, then black women took their power and got a, a black uh, a vice uh, presidential nominee. And it's just an amazing thing, but that is a vastly different thing. And, I, and, I, and I'll say this, I just think that immediately after they said that, the next day, the, the USA Today and the Washington Post came out with, art, with articles that shed a different light on it. They let us know that all the information we got wasn't out there. And I, sh I would challenge them 
to 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 read those articles and to tell me if you feel the same way and to be careful when you say things like that because you give legitimacy to a patently illegitimate process when you only take the information that edifies your perspective mm. when you only ask one side of the view it's almost like asking a question you already know the answer to and only seeking those uh, answers that give you the answer you want you only ask those questions that give you the answer they want and 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 no matter what, a black woman was went to bed at night and did not wake up. And somebody should be liable for that. And that you blind that they always find a way to make us responsible for our own deaths. And that they ha- they don't they don't need popular black men um, to protect them. They have a judicial system. Mm-hmm. They have police officers. They have a corporate structure. They have a system that protects them. You know, they don't need you to, to, to edify that perspective. They got it covered. <laughs> if, if you miss a lot of free throws, chances are you miss some evidence, too. Just, just, you can't, you can't, Our first guest is the mayor of Stockton, California. He's the subject of the HBO documentary, Stockton On My Mind. Please welcome Mayor Michael Tubbs. How you doing, Your Honor? <laughs> your Honor. I'm your, good. I'm your Majesty. Your, your, your Highness. What the hell do we call him? I don't know. Your Highness, Your Majesty, Your Royal Wonder. I don't know. He's, he's, you're, you're, uh, so you are the mayor of Stockton, California. And Stockton, uh, if you've lived in California, Stockton's so scary. People from Oakland don't fuck around in Stockton. That, that, that's how it used to be. It really Where? did. It, it, it led the nation in homicides. It led the nation in uh, in uh, home foreclosures. So it was it was a, a city that was troubled. So they decided they would elect a twenty some year old. Because you know, last time a twenty some year old mayor, black mayor, got elected, it didn't work out good for Detroit. I'm no, just telling you, well, <laughs> it didn't it work did out not. good for them. <laughs> So, so you you took on a city that that obviously was rife with problems, and you have have had a level of efficacy that we we don't often see in major cities. Why do you suppose that is? Well, well first, thanks for having me. And Stockton's home, and absolutely, like growing up in Stockton, a lot of the bad reputation you hear. Um, but like any other place that's home, it's not as bad as people think. Right. And I think the past three and a half years, what we've seen in terms of a forty percent reduction in homicides, in terms of leading the state in declining officer-involved shootings, in terms of rebounding from bankruptcy to being the second most fiscally healthy city in the state has been by being very smart and data-driven and making decisions, um, having a good team of people to work with, but also being very clear about government exists to, to support all people and that we have to do more for folks that have had done more done against them um, by government. You, you know, it's interesting. Most uh, 20 somethings aren't running cities. They're living in their parents' basements, right? They're listening, they're like, <laughs> and getting fat and not getting anybody pregnant is what they're doing. But uh, it, it's amazing because it's, it's, it's obviously a bit of a novelty for some people to say that your youth would be like a bit of a novelty, but you really have been effective. And that's very interesting because usually when people uh, take a job like that, uh, it certainly doesn't turn around this fast and sometimes it doesn't at all. But I just wonder, like you've been innovative and done some things that uh, we haven't ever heard of. And and some people would call socialism, but uh, tell us some of those things that you implemented that you think helped. 
So I think part of it is I started at city council at 22. So I spent four years on city council sort of learning city government, which made the learning curve to be mayor not a steep. And a couple of things we've done. Number one, we were the first city in this country to test this idea of basic income. Which is, what, what is that? that? It's basically we give people $500 a month for the past 20 months. Um, it comes from Dr. King, who was talking about this before he died. And the idea is that America creates so much wealth that poverty, economic scarcity, and lack are, are policy choices. And we can't afford, actually, to live in a society where people aren't working two jobs and still can't pay rent. Or people aren't working themselves to death and still can't pay for utilities. Or people who are choosing to stay home and stay, take care of their kids still are able to derive some sort of income. Um, so when we started, to your point, people thought we were crazy, we were socialists. But now there's 25 other cities in this country who have joined this group I started called Mayors for a Guaranteed Income, who are saying we want to do this in our cities as well. And in fact, now there's literally bills in Congress from Senator Harris and others that, talk, that talks about giving people money, at least during COVID, because people aren't able to work, because people are, are taking real economic hits, and because of um, people are sheltering in place. And then the second sort of program that we ran in the city is a scholarship program for every student who graduates from our largest school district. They're guaranteed a scholarship to a two-year school, a four-year school, or a trade school. And I'm excited about that program in particular because I'm the first one in my family to go to college. If I hadn't gone to Stanford for free, there's no way I think I would be back in Stockton at least so early um, doing this work. So I think to your point about socialism, we're trying to show people that if you invest in people and at least help people make their best necessities, then a lot of the other things we complain about actually can begin to figure themselves out. I, I, I'm sorry, Your Honor. Did you say Stanford? You said Stanford, right? Yeah. Now yes, you're fucking yes. showing off. That's you what you're doing. Honor. That's what he's doing right now. Honor, right? You know what? I, I respected you to, to right now. Right now. <laughs> it was right now. A little flex on the right. <laughs> and, he, and he put it in something. You know, I wouldn't have been able to go to Stanford unlike you, motherfucker. Right. Wait for free. Listen, Wait a minute. Go ahead and show off all you want to. <laughs> I, I, I used to live on Stanford, but that's not the same thing. It's very interesting because that is an innovative mindset because for, for too long, this country has an antagonistic relationship to the poor to the less fortunate. I think they almost think it's like some kind of disease that you can catch or it's a disease of laziness, of, of, of you know, of, of, of lack of self-motivation. And so there are people who incline, like even even now, you, Andrew Yang expounded on that a little bit. Even now you, you, you'll see a Mark Cuban, uh, you know, who, who, who has talked about giving every American $1,000 uh, and and particularly during COVID, we that's not a a, a a novel concept in a lot of European countries, particularly when there is uh, times of, of upheaval like we're seeing right now. But you were able to pass this. What has been the outcome of that? What is what has happened with the people that have gotten the program? Yeah, well, what, what we've seen is that people spend money how like you and I spend money. So we have spending data that's updated every month, and people are spending money on food. They're spending money on rent. They're spending money on utilities they're spending money on well during covid folks are using that money as they wait for unemployment which they still have not been able to receive despite qualifying for it people are using that money to stay home when they're sick because they don't have paid time off um etc and i think for me part of the reason why we started the program is I, I grew up in poverty my mom she had me as a teenager so when we talk about poor people and, and the working class people that's personal to me um, that's my mom, that's my aunt, that's my cousins, that's a lot of my friends even now. Um, and, I, and I know the issue isn't with them. The issue is with the way 
our economy is structured. Um, and the fact that the president could make allegedly millions of dollars and only pay $750 in taxes, while my folks can't pay rent, they're still paying more than that in taxes. Speaking of, that's it's the ridiculous. imbalance of America. Mm-hmm. That's the that's literally the imbalance of America. It was, it was so funny because even when I watched what was going on, you know, with the stimulus package, which costs trillions, uh, it was mo- it was the largest expenditure by the government in history, and yet prevention and testing uh, and outreach programs would have been more effective because my mother always said you can't do it if you if you can't do it right you're gonna you're gonna have to do it again and so <laughs> I, I I just think that way the ways that you're thinking that that you know five years ago even three years ago people would have thought it was outside the box they would have thought that it was loony. Um, they would have thought that it was untenable. You are showing that it can work, and and we're not talking about it in a small city. We're talking about a large city in the in the state that has the fifth largest economy in the world, and a and a city that has had certainly Stockton is quintessentially what uh, people think of of the urban plight. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you had housing floor codes. You have violence. You have high unemployment. So. All of that would have been the the kind of whipping boy that America uses to say this is why these kinds of programs won't work. So it can't just be, I don't think it's just introducing them. It had to be managed and kind of massaged. Because I, I, I know you it's had some hiccups. What have some of the drawbacks been to it? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the drawbacks have been, um, number one, because it's on debit cards, some folks have decided that it make, they need cash, that so many things require cash. So we Hell yeah, anything. that's what I would do, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> you see. Well, but, <laughs> but it's not all $500 is taken out, but sometimes you got to get your haircut. That's like $40, $45. That, that, that's cash if your barber doesn't take credit, debit card. So we're not able to account for 100% of how the money is spent, but even with the money that's taken out of cash, we do follow-up interviews, and through that, we get some insights as to how people yeah. are using that money to borrow or to give their kids lunch money, um, et cetera. And I think the other drawback is that it's just a finite amount of time. Um, so maybe people are making different choices because they know the money will eventually run out. It's not something they get in perpetuity. Um, but but even that, I, I, I think I'm proud because... People were telling me folks were going to buy guns and then I'll be liable for anything that happens because they use the money from the program to do so. But that folks were going to use all the money on drugs and alcohol. And that just hasn't been, hasn't been the case. No, with my $500, it has. It's been with my $500. But it was my money. I got it for myself. I didn't get it from me. And if the money had glitter on it, that's nobody's business. I don't think we have to talk about that. It smells great. <laughs> you got an HBO special, which is weird because I've had a few of them, but I had to work a lot harder than you did. But but I had to write a set. You just had to turn a city around. Um, what, what is, what is the, uh, the, the, the basis of Stockton on my mind? Um, so Stockton on my mind, it, it, it starts kind of with my story. Um, my mom, again, she had me as young. She was 16 when she was pregnant, 17 when I was born. My father's been incarcerated through my, for my most of my entire life. So it starts there, but it uses that to really tell a, I think, balanced story of the city in terms of other young people in the city who have similar stories and how they're making sense of sort of the programs we're running, the things we're trying to do, and if these ideas actually work on the ground, and if there's a reason to even have hope or believe that government can do anything. Um, so I appreciate it because it starts with me, but it actually tells a deeper story of the city and the people who make my city what it is. So I'm, I'm very proud of how it turned out.
It's interesting because you are a melding of two two things. Obviously, you started off one way, and then you went to one of the foremost uh, 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 centers for education in the entire world, Stockton. I mean, Stanford is is about as high as it gets, and so. You had these experiences, now you had that one. So you've had your feet planted in two different worlds. Do you think that that contributed to the way that you see things, the way that you're kind of able to balance, uh, you know, these people from, these are really divergent experiences? No, no, absolutely. I I think it's given me a lot of empathy, but also a sense of responsibility, understanding that because I went to a school like Stanford, there's certain rooms I could walk into, certain people I can talk to. Um, certain things I get invited to that I, I wouldn't get as a black kid. With what do you get invited to that you wouldn't get invited to? What, what, what do you get invited to now that you wouldn't have before? Uh, everywhere. I mean, the DL Uncut TV show. Yes, you're damn right. <laughs> damn right. Throw that in there. <laughs> he got my vote. I'm moving to Stockton just to vote for this dude. <laughs> no, but, but to your point, I think it's, 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 but it's also let me see that the folks I went to school with at Stanford weren't that much smarter or, or any smarter than the people I went to high school with. They just had oftentimes mm. more resources and more opportunities. And that, when I'm, I remember my first class, and I was like, wait, what? This is the game? <laughs> <laughs> they ain't <I've> shit. Been- <laughs> they ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it's really important that we see faces like yours. You know what I mean? Because I think about the young black men who are really driving forces in some of these towns. You know, you've got the black mayor down in Birmingham. You think about the one in Kansas City and also, you know, in other places. And it's it's good to see young black men in these positions of power so that they are able to debunk, you know, this narrative about black men being, you know, stupid or 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 criminal. not really yeah. yeah, criminal or not really engaged or interested in politics and what happens to our community. I think this is very important. I appreciate that. It's funny because all of us run a group chat together. So we talk all the time, all, all like the black mayors, period, and also the, the black male mayors. We have a chat as well. We just talk all day, especially during this crazy time bouncing off ideas and talking points and how we're managing and make sure we take care of each other. So it's, it's, it's really great to have if, if you, other if, people. If you track most successful black men's life, their, their, their journey, their diaspora, there will be a moment that they, a very clear moment where they could have done something differently and for whatever reason they did not. Um, you know, I, I, I can recall my, those moments for me. What would you say the defining moment when you decided this is the world I'm from but I'm going to go into this one because I think I can be more uh, of more help in this world than I can in that. Yeah, I think there, there, there's there's two really. One was when I was 12 and I visited my father for the first time um, as a not two-year-old baby um, in prison and sort of walking in, seeing just how sad everyone was, seeing how all the men in the visiting room were either black or Latino um, and talking to him and hearing him talk about how the system had been designed in such a way um, that for him to end up in jail. And I remember him saying that, you know, people only expect you to do one of two things, to, to be in prison or dead. You're black, you're poor, your mom had you young, you're from a city like Stockton. And I remember taking that really to heart and from then being really, really focused and motivated to just prove him and everyone else wrong. And then in college, while I was interning um, for President Obama, one of my cousins, Donnell James, was murdered in Stockton. And that's what caused me to actually go back to Stockton. Because before then, once I got accepted to college, me and my mom both knew that I was not going to come back, that that was not the plan. The plan was to leave. Um, But after my cousin was murdered, that's what made me stop and think about all the success, all these opportunities, had to be for something bigger than just me to be happy. 
Um, and that's why I decided to run for city council the next year. It's interesting because wow. because uh, they, there's an old saying, a prophet has no honor amongst his own. Uh, uh, and, and I think it's difficult for someone to come back um, to have been in a different world and to come back and to be kind of respected in the world that they left. And you seem to be able to navigate, you seem to be able to manage that pretty well. Is there anything that you think nationally, because now we have a big election come up, and the, and the, and the focus uh, from the Democratic side is on young black men like you, young black men who are apathetic, young black men who believe the system has failed them, young black men who think that their vote doesn't matter, that there's nothing in it for them, uh, and you are a living, breathing example of how things can and ought work. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I, what I've been saying is that number one, your vote only matters because you matter. Your life, your experiences, the things you go through, you you are the closest to the pain, so you're the closest to the solution. And because of that, we need you to vote. Because if your vote didn't matter, they wouldn't be spending millions of dollars to create laws. When they steal mailboxes from black neighborhoods, you know they don't want us to vote. When they steal mailboxes from our neighborhoods, you know they don't want us to vote. Or, or literally create laws, like create rules, like, hey, Florida, if you got fines, you can't vote. Like, right. like literally, our voter is, they have foreign governments. Like, Putin and his folks are in Russia right now with a whiteboard trying to figure out how to get us not to vote because of the power we have. If you look at this country's history, anytime this country has moved forward, it's because black folks have exerted political power. And a- that's every time. You know, it's interesting because the thing that you're talking about right now, to make black men vote, you have to make them feel invisible. You have to make them feel not worthy, like no one can see them. And I think that uh, black women have had that same struggle. They found a way uh, to assert a sense of, of self-worth, uh, a value, of understanding how to harness power. And I think it's a lesson that we all need to learn. And I think one of the positive things, I've never gotten a chance to meet so many young black men who are from the same streets that many of us are from. They ate the same food. They ran from the same bullies. They had the same experiences. And yet they are the driving forces. Do you understand that in Cal- as California goes, the cities in California go, the state goes. So what you're doing right now is really kind of a template for what could start to be uh, replicated all over the country. And the, and the fact that a, a black man found it, that, that a young black man was integral and instrumental in, ma- in bringing that to the forefront uh, makes an old man like me feel very good. So y- y- you think, would you, y- you obviously are aspiring to be something. I know you want to be something else in, in, in the political realm. What would that be? I want to be effective. Um, I want to continue to, to push the envelope and make it so that the country doesn't just paint Black Lives Matter on the ground, but we know Black Lives Matter by the policies and, and, and by the outcome. So whether that's in the elected office or, or in something else, I'm, I'm motivated and dedicated to using at least the time I have here to make that real. Damn, that's much He's better than what I said. That was yeah. a political answer, boy. <laughs> that one be Stanford, well. Stanford's way better than Compton College. Let me tell you that. It, it's, <laughs> way better. it's way better. <laughs> Thank you, Yana. Thank you for joining us, Thank man. You, and good man, luck Charles. to you. Keep, you keep Thank blazing you. that trail, and I keep blazing that other thing. And let me let me just say one thing, though. So I grew up watching you on Comic View with my mom. Like, that's literally what I spent my childhood doing. That's I knew it. <laughs> that's why I talk crazy to people at the council meetings. They used to call the audience members. I did the same thing. Thank you, man. Thank <laughs> you. I knew I was working. Oh, Thank you, God. Your Honor. We, we appreciate it. Thank you.